0: The 6 hours of video, do you know basically for the teacher to record it, probably he might have taken 3 times or 4 times, at least 24 hours to record it. And you want to learn it in 6 hours? Not possible. Putting a bunch of videos together and uh, leaving it on you to go through the videos and uh, completing the learning. That is one extreme. The other extreme is a one-on-one tutoring. On the internet, you are going to find courses which are marketed well, not taught well.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to Learning Paths. Firstly, thank you for the overwhelming response for the trailer. I'm super glad it struck a chord with many of you. This reinforced my resolve to bring you all some of the most amazing people who helped simplify new age technology for us through their inspiring stories and unique learning paths. Okay, didn't I promise I'll bring you interesting people from around us? My first guest for the season is somebody I picked up the ropes of entrepreneurship and leadership from. He's none other than Chivukula Krishnamohan, my co-founder at Guru Jada. He has more than 25 years of experience building software solutions and wearing the hats of a solution architect, application developer, tech consultant, mentor, and teacher with equal ease. He's a rated chess player, an active trader, and so much more. Architecting tech solutions in education domain is his fault. He is passionate about transforming the teaching-learning process as it happens today. He has helped more than 500 teachers adopt to online teaching by helping them with tools and platforms. But he is here today because of his experience with students and early career professionals. Krishna is a hands-on programmer who has mentored and taught programming languages to more than 10,000 students on technologies ranging from C, C++ to PHP, Ruby, and more recently, Elixir. So without further ado, let's bring him in. Welcome Krishna.
0: Thanks, Usha. Thanks for inviting me on the show.
1: That's a very diverse portfolio tech consultant, trader, chess player, teacher. Can you give us a sneak peek into your journey and the choices that led to where you are today?
0: I started my career by being a teacher. In fact, uh, I taught uh, people who are senior to me who were doing some chartered accountancy uh, in my intermediate, in my 11th class, so to say. I taught uh, people who are elder to me the subject of mathematics. So, I have to say, I started uh, uh, my career as a teacher, then started learning technology, and there was an ambition to actually uh, teach the programming to a lot more people. So, I was uh, teaching the technologies that I have learned to fellow students. So, a lot of uh, the uh, batches I have run with uh, C, C, and all that. And then, I wanted to see how the industry works. I mean, I always had the impression that between the academic uh, world and the industry world, there is a a lot of gap. And I wanted to see if I can make the transition from the academic world into the industry. So I started building applications and I worked, uh, I architected a lot of solutions. And uh, uh, I don't know, maybe as Disney would have it, most of the solutions that I was building were uh, uh, in the edutech domain so i was building learning solutions uh, a lot and uh, finally i thought of the best way in which i can uh, give all the experience that i have the maximum impact that i can have is uh, going back to teaching and uh, building a lot of good computer professionals so now i am going back to uh, teaching this time uh, of course i would be using a lot more technology And using technology, I would be teaching technology. But yeah, it's a full circle. Now I'm back to teaching.
1: That's quite a journey, Krishna. You seem to have come a full circle. From teaching technology in a classroom setting to building platforms that support live classrooms. Great. My question to you is, when it comes to using technology for teaching, we have seen a lot of changes come to the online teaching learning space over the years. Do you think tech has solved this problem yet? have we arrived
0: probably i am uh, quite equipped to the answer to this question because uh, i have been in this domain tech, teaching in technology in uh, in this domain for the probably for the last 25 years in the sense that uh, the first era it's like probably the 96 era around that time where we used to you do a lot of chalk and talk the programming actually we used to do on the blackboard. The student used to write the program in his book, go to the lab and try to compile it. That is the starting. And then we, the students used to make some mistakes, some syntactical errors here and there and all that. So, And then they used to ask uh, if I can do live coding. So the next part was where we were keeping a computer or a laptop uh, inside the classroom. And project the program basically onto the screen where the students used to observe and learn. In both these aspects, the problem was scale. Uh, It's like a good teacher used to teach some 30-40 students at once. And beyond that, giving that same sort of reach was getting very, very difficult. So technology started coming into play. And the first thing that technology aimed was, it was saying, can I replace the teacher? So, a lot of LMSs, the learning management systems that we call it, they were a lot of them were coming in this era. But most of these learning management systems were focused on the administrative part, not the teaching learning side of it. And then came the era of self-paced learning. They said actually that the teacher cannot or should not force the student to learn at a particular pace. So, they were saying actually I should be learning at my own pace. So, then a lot of the so-called MOOCs, a lot of self-paced learning courses started coming in. Most of them were actually putting a bunch of videos together and with some sort of interactivity and asking the student to complete the course. Go through those videos and you would be completing the course. But... uh, the problem with the, uh, uh, you know, right, uh, the difficult, the discipline actually that is associated with one person basically when he wants to learn by self, is, it will it uh, remarkably comes down. So yeah, there were abysmal rates of uh, completion in these online uh, moocs. Absolutely. And then we actually started uh, getting back to uh, the Zoom classes. I mean, the pandemic actually almost brought the second evolution of uh, online teaching learning where what we used to do 20 years back, now we are doing an online version of it. 20 years back, a teacher and uh, 20 students were uh, locked inside a room. The teacher talks something, the student listens to something, both of them come out and uh, we assume that the teaching learning process is over. Now, after 20 years, we are actually doing something similar, but on a Zoom call or a Google Meet, where some faceless people are actually there in the class. The teacher looks at the blank wall and speaks and then we assume the teaching learning process is happening. Yeah, we made progress but is the journey complete? No. I mean, uh, the technology has still a lot more problems to solve, a lot more journey to make before we can say we understand teaching learning and technology is really solving those particular problems.
1: Absolutely. You just summarized the entire evolution of online learning through the last few years, perhaps 25 years? Yeah. Yes, there is a lot of ground to cover and it again seems to have come a complete cycle. But with all this said, we are looking to upskill ourselves for our needs, either for a promotion or a job or a career change or just like that. So today, if I want to take a course, there are thousands of options around us. How then can we identify a good course? What are the characteristics of a good course?
0: Yeah, we have to grudgingly admit that uh... Taking an online course almost is uh, mandatory nowadays. It's not like I can go to a particular class and uh, physical class and learn. The options are limited. Probably in some way or the other, you have to take an online course and uh, it has to suit your personality. That's the first thing that I would say. Because uh, in the online world, putting a bunch of videos together and uh, leaving it on you to go through the videos and uh, completing the learning. That is one extreme. The other extreme is a one on one tutoring, uh, where uh, a particular teacher, not even a cohort, not even a group of students, he will just teach you personally. So, there are courses, there are platforms available which cater to both these extremes and something in between. And uh, most probably the price is uh, one aspect uh, that uh, differentiates uh, these two extremes, but they are available. So, picking a course out of this, it involves a bit more involved thinking. Uh, you can't make some automatic choices here. So, to begin with, firstly, let's admit it. 20% of people, when they are attempting to learn a skill, they don't need anything. Just Google and free resources, they would find basically their way through and they learn it. That's true. And there are 10% of them With whatever constraints, disinterest or uh, probably time constraints or uh, uh, lack of focus, motivation, whatever be the reasons actually, they are not going to complete the course any which way. True. So, it is the middle 70% which are either going to the failure path or basically going to the success path. And this middle 70% does need a structure, a timeline and some sort of hand-holding that… That is going to work. Yeah. So, it is this middle 70% which needs to choose a course. Now, a particular course would need a a few aspects. One is some sort of competitive spirit basically or some sort of collaboration with a peer group. There is a sense of, uh, it's like you would be needing some support, some sort of hand-holding or somebody who can actually solve a particular uh, problem for you when you are stuck. I know quite a lot of people who get stuck in the first two lessons or three lessons with some sort of a particular problem or some sort of a statement that they don't understand. They don't know how to execute that particular program. They stop there and suddenly they develop a sort of disinterest towards the entire course thinking this is not for me. Probably I cannot cross this. So, they give up. In fact, at that particular hurdle, if there was somebody who could handhold them and you can take them over that particular hump, I am certain the people who are will be on the success path rather than will be increasing by at least 30 to 40 percent.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So,
0: So, basically that amount of interactivity and that particular thing should actually determine how you are going to select a particular course. And there is one small, uh, yeah, it's a bit uh, controversial statement to make, but yeah. So, on the internet, you are going to find courses, basically, which are marketed well, not taught well. Really? What does that mean? So, it is the quality of the teacher, when, suppose, that particular course, you come across it, if there are some good reviews, or basically, that particular write-up is good, all that indicates uh, to very good marketing not necessarily very good teaching so you have to be careful about that particular aspect that if it comes to you basically somewhere or the other if it is not from word of mouth but basically if it is coming to you via any marketing channel remember that uh, irrespective of the reviews, number of star ratings, anything that you can think of, remember that it might not be well-taught course, but it is well-marketed course. It makes so much Hmm. sense. So, remember that when you are selecting a particular course. One other uh, gimmick uh, that is uh, played over here is uh, uh, this uh, subscription model based uh, learning for the courses. As a teacher... And as a student as well, as a learner as well, basically, I uh, somehow could never understand uh, this subscription model as a course uh, pricing mechanism. I will never learn four or five courses at once. What is the point of bundling 100 things together to me and actually selling at a particular price? I'm not going to complete 99%. I will be learning that one skill that is needed to me. And I would want to learn that particular one skill well. Yeah, Okay. So, somehow I never understood, see, if you are having a TV connection, having a subscription model, monthly subscription model makes sense. For learning, probably better to take a course which is offered at a particular price.
1: Yeah, correct.
0: Uh, That is one important factor that helps in deciding a course. And one other thing, while going through the course, you would be making a lot of notes. Uh, That is, they will give, obviously, there are a lot of videos, bunch of exercises, a lot of interaction that you do inside the course and all that. And uh, along with that, you might be collecting some additional YouTube links. You you might be putting up uh, uh, some sort of uh, your handwritten note or something you will add and uh, the whole thing makes sense to you. That is your learning path. Now, you have to ensure that that learning path stays with you because maybe once in three months, once in six months, you would want to revise them and see basically how you understood the concepts and all that. One other issue with this course buying is uh, generally I observe two sorts of issues. One is uh, the course subscription is... uh, uh, it's not perpetual. It is like uh, for monthly basis or for three months you have access, for six months you have access or something like that. So, after that, if you want to revise that particular thing, there is no way. So, I feel that's unfair because the the course actually, it's like it's like a workbook. Basically, you complete something, your homework, your notes, everything, you would want to retain. Your textbook, you want to retain, right? Basically, yeah, correct. When you complete your course. So, that is uh, one element. The second uh, problem that I observed learners going through is, uh, these people go through a particular platform where the teacher is offering the course and uh, the teacher uh, loses interest or moves on and uh, he stops subscribing to that particular platform. And not just the teacher's subscription, but all the student subscription also gets cancelled. It's like uh, the teacher stops the plug. Correct. So these two are uh, some of the uh, unexpected surprises uh, unpleasant surprises uh, that uh, uh, that are faced by uh, people who are actually subscribing to online courses yeah so these are the some of the elements uh, that should be taught about uh, uh, thought about uh, when you are uh, picking an online course
1: such amazing points you have talked about krishna these will definitely help us identify the one course that's worth our time as you said, today there are many courses on MOOCs, the massive open online courses platforms and despite there being free, the completion rates are pathetic. So I hear you when you say that a guided course motivates us to complete it. And depending on where we are on our need, we should choose our preference. I also love the point you made about a course staying on with us as a workbook. Challenge for the future perhaps? Yeah. And yeah, well-marketed courses they are that come up on the top of our search. Think of Amazon. We all know that some of the best deals are hidden inside. It's indeed foolish to assume that the ones that are on our face are the best. Sadly, they are not. Going ahead, now that we identified a good course that suits our needs, of course after checking the curriculum, assistance, the pricing, the peer group, the methodology, the instructor. Now my next question is, What about the best practices we should bear in mind while taking the course so that we take the full benefit of the course? What should be our learning path through the course? Using the
0: earlier characteristics and your financial uh, uh, freedom or your financial uh, aspect, you would be picking up a course. And most possibly that particular course might be a bunch of videos strung together versus a one-on-one teaching from some particular teacher. And something in between as well. So, if it is a one-on-one teaching sort of a thing, then most likely you are spending a lot of money and the teacher is going to help you complete that particular thing. So, not much uh, that I have to offer basically as a suggestion there. But if you picked anything less than that, then here are uh, my recommendations. One, if the teacher gives you a structure and a timetable, stick to it. Suppose he says... uh, Do listen to this particular class for this one hour and do this homework before you come to the next class. Stick to it, complete it and go to the next class. Don't uh, accumulate them like uh, you accumulate basically when you are studying your engineering. Yeah, Yeah, it's like one day batting, 20 to 20 batting and all that actually. right? Don't do that. So, it is like stick to that uh, structure and timetable that a teacher recommends to you. If it is not, suppose you bought actually a sort of a bunch of videos stitched together as a course, then then it becomes all the more important for you to impose a structure and a timetable for yourself. Correct. Just uh, go through some sort of, do some googling, how much of uh, time is required to acquire this particular skill. Suppose it says uh, 20 days or something, then distribute uh, your particular course into 20 days. Don't uh, try to complete it uh, in less time or more time. Try to put a structure around that and try to stick to that particular structure. So, that is one thing. Then show up. Show up according to the structure and timetable that you have imposed on yourself. That is to say, if you want to say, I want to spend daily one hour on this, then daily one hour you do spend on that. Watch the same video or try to solve that same exercise. So, give that respect and discipline to learning that particular thing. One other mistake that I have seen uh, uh, people making uh, uh, while going through the online courses uh, is uh, they don't give time to assimilate. It is like, suppose uh, that particular course contains uh, six hours of video. What is the estimated completion time? They will keep six hours or seven hours. Yeah. That doesn't work. Those 6 hours of video, do you know basically for the teacher to record it, probably he might have taken 3 times or 4 times, at least 24 hours to record it. Somebody who is expert at it, expert at it and he is still trying to explain you in a way. So, it is almost like a left hand job for him basically. And then still he is taking some 24 hours or more to record that particular video. And you want to learn it in 6 hours? Not possible. So, give time to assimilate. So, that 6 hours means... Uh, If that particular skill learning takes uh, something, 20 days, then uh, suppose it's a three week thing, then it's like uh, every two hours you do uh, two hours of video watching you do and probably you allow it to assimilate for the next five days by doing some exercises, by actually revising it, whatever. That assimilation time is something that is not calculated uh, by a lot of online uh, course taking students. That is one thing that I have observed and one other thing that i have to give as a suggestion is be okay with certain degree of uncertainty that is when you go through that particular first video you understand probably 60% 70% of it and uh, i have observed that uh, more students actually want to master the first subject first particular chapter and then go to the second chapter it's okay you know you can't master it learning that particular video itself does not give you mastery it is like it. it's a lot more. If you don't understand 30% of it, go to the second lesson in your prescribed timetable and go through. Maybe once you go through the second video, you suddenly understand the remaining 30% automatically. Or you can come back to this. Remember that learning is a spiral growth. It never is linear. Correct. So while going through the course, maybe even midway through the course, you might feel that hey, I have completed five chapters, but I probably don't know them fully be okay be ready to accept that uncertainty and still attempt the sixth chapter on the next day it's not like you i know i want to master these first five and i want to come back to the first that is how i have seen most people stop taking stop completing the courses be okay with a certain degree of uncertainty and keep progressing and suddenly the jigsaw puzzle will fall in place suddenly and you'll everything will start to make sense to, for you on one day so yeah that is how you complete a course
1: Great points there. Spiral growth for learning is a great analogy. We cannot cram all the video watching onto a day and then expect that we are not getting the concepts. That assimilation time that you said, totally needed. Sticking to a structure surely helps and being disciplined enough to show up every day is so critical. All these are such amazing points. And being okay with a degree of uncertainty. You have just said so many things that I have gone through, which I did not follow. But because I did not know that these these are so important or these have that kind of significance in the completion of the course. Going ahead in the course journey. Now that we have done the course diligently, how do we sustain this effort for long? What next after this? I mean, us. That is it. Really? Yeah.
0: Yeah, you completed a course, you actually are taking a particular course for probably a career change or a, a sort of an increment or a job jump. or Basically, see, some sort of incentive is attached with it. That is why you are able to complete the course, right? So, so now actually grab the incentive. I wish
1: it was that easy.
0: <laughs> anyway, so one thing is… Uh, Whatever that we learn basically over a period of 15 days, 20 days or even a one month, two month thing, generally that particular thing goes into a sort of you become rusty probably every two months, three months. Unless you stay in practice, keeping up with the skill becomes a very difficult task. So keep practicing. So it is like if if you actually have gone through the course for a job change, attend a lot of interviews just to get a feel of it basically you might not you might or might not get a job that is worthy of jump but still because you have learned a skill and go to a couple of interviews and just see you will under you will get a lot of questions around that you will see you will be able to judge your comprehension about the course so practice Keep doing some sort of side projects or keep applying it uh, uh, in your existing career itself, wherever you are working or whatever. In that particular place, Keep uh, just look at opportunities where you can implement your newly acquired skill. If none of these work, actually, try to contribute to the open source world, actually. Uh, When you contribute to the open source world in the domain that you have recently acquired a skill on, it is going to create uh, multiple benefits, actually, and there are recurring benefits. That is, that I create a digital footprint for you basically when you contribute, you write a blog post, you actually suppose uh, explain something as a teach tutorial, you put up a YouTube video or uh, you commit to some GitHub repositories. Everywhere the digital footprint is created and that would actually accumulate into value for you uh, going down the line. The second advantage that you get by contributing to the open source world is you are going to stay in touch with the prof- the people who matter in that particular skill or domain. So, you are going to stay in, which, uh, stay in touch with them and actually that will keep you uh, sharp basically and uh, oiled for that particular uh, sort of a skill. Absolutely. So, basically contribute to the open source world. So, keep working in that particular domain actually. At least uh, on a periodic basis if it is not your uh, bread earner at that moment.
1: You have hit the nail on his head. Applying what you learn by going to interviews, perhaps giving a talk, by practicing or contributing to open source and staying in touch with peer group, all this is so critical to sustaining the learning for a long time. And of these points that you said, I think the open source contributions will in fact plug us to the others actually. It turns a lot of brownie points in our resume also, helps us to be hands-on, then enables us to contribute to a community help other people find their feet in a new domain. Alongside, it will open you up to an amazing peer group who are like-minded. Interesting opportunities too, down the way. Hence, there are so many benefits. Krishna, talk to us about the problems you are trying to solve in the edtech domain. And what are your future plans?
0: As I said at the beginning, I started my career with teaching and then absorbed technology. So, Through these 25 years, I don't know, maybe destiny, but I worked with these two aspects most. One is teaching technology and the second aspect was using technology for teaching. So, has been a sort of a cyclic uh, evolution for me. Now, my observation is uh, that uh, scale and personalization are the two levers for online teaching learning space that is you increase the scale suddenly the level of personalization comes down whereas if you make it highly personal then you cannot reach scale both of them actually act in the opposite directions but i do believe that technology can be used to optimize this i have faced this particular situation multiple times for example when i was teaching. I was getting more students. I mean, I was teaching some C class actually at that particular time and another uh, group of people came and uh, they wanted uh, uh, some oracle class. They wanted at the same time. So, then I tried to engage uh, another teacher but uh, they were saying only I should teach. So, it's almost like you either shift them to another timing or you have to give up on those students. Same way, when I used to attend for learning also, I used to observe that the best teachers that I had, they were limited with geography, they were limited with their timing constraints or so many other things. It's like I used to think a particular maths teacher that I had, I was just thinking, oh, his classes, if they were record of them or if I can make his classes scale up higher, he was teaching something like 300 students at a, a day. If I could make 3000 students a day somehow, I am certain basically a lot more people would have got benefited out of his teachings. Sadly, he's not there anymore. So, scale and personalization, these two are the levers with which the online teaching learning space works. I want to use technology and optimize these two where the scale increases, but still the degree of personalization remains. That is a particular problem I am working on at this moment. Hopefully, I'll reach some sort of uh, implementation for that soon.
1: Definitely, that's a very interesting problem that you have chosen to solve. This optimization of scale and personalization in the online space, where instructors can monetize their expertise by reaching more learners and where learners can be guided by the best of teachers in an affordable way. This might be the next game changer in EdTech. We hope and wish that you solve this problem. Thank you very much Krishna for helping us understand the effective way to learn online. Such a critical skill that all of us should know about in such unpredictable times. We wish you lots of success in all your endeavors. Thank you
0: and uh, wishing the best for your audience as well and to Learning Paths
1: as well. Thank you. And thank you listeners for tuning in to this episode of Learning Paths. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share with someone who you think will benefit from the ideas, insights and learning journeys discussed in the podcast. Thank you for tuning in and making your choice to learn from experiences. Remember... Don't ever settle for less when you can be the best version of yourself. If you like this attempt at fast, please encourage by sharing with friends and colleagues. Be sure to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And kindly share your reviews and suggestions at learningpaths.co.in at gmail.com. And until next time, keep learning, keep inspiring.